Bereavement Room is a podcast for our community, faith and culture, featuring representative voices from across the UK. And I am your host, Kosima Ali. Hi, I'm Hashem Al-Dawi, and you're listening to the Bereavement Room podcast. Hello, I'm Priya Ahmed, and you're listening to Bereavement Room podcast. Hello, I'm Bashar Malik, and you're listening to the Bereavement Room podcast. Hi. I'm Tanya Hardcastle, and you're listening to the Bereavement Room Podcast. Hello, I'm Abigail Chewitt, and you're listening to Bereavement Room Podcast. Hey, what's going on? It is Sly King, and you are listening to the Bereavement Room Podcast. Hi, folks. Welcome back to Bereavement Room Podcast. I hope you're having a great week. How you're doing? You know I love hearing from you. Please drop me a DM. Uh, you know, you can find me on social media. My DMs are open. The handle is at bereavement room. Don't be shy. I do love hearing from you and I do respond to everyone's DMs where possible. And so uh, at the end of these voiceovers, you heard the voice of today's guest. Uh, It's lovely to have uh, everyone's voice at the beginning of the podcast uh, as they introduce Bereavement Room. I think that's really important. And so it brings me great pleasure to say that today's guest is Sly King, also known as Sylvester King. He is a radio host in Alabama, uh, Birmingham, Alabama, for the best mix of R&B at Hot 107.7. He's joined me in the room to talk about the loss of his parents. Something him and I have in common is that we lost uh, one parent after the other with a 10-year gap. And so we reflect on what that experience is like to no longer have any of our parents uh, alive and what it means to make difficult caring decisions and just sort of what life is looking like for Sylvester as he carries his grief every day. It was a wholesome conversation and I hope that it brings you love, light and reflection wherever you are in the world because today we are in Birmingham, Alabama. As always, thank you so much for listening. I am your host, Kolsima Ali. Hi everyone, welcome back to Bereavement Room podcast. I'm thrilled to say that I am joined by today's guest. He's straight out of Birmingham, Alabama, a radio presenter for Hot 107.7. It's Sylvester King. Hi Sylvester. Hey, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Uh, Just winding down now, uh, end of the week. I know you've had a busy busy day. What have you been up to? A little bit of everything. Work and more work and my other job keeping me busy and and just a lot of things. And before you know it, the day is already like you're looking at your your, your clock and your watch. You're going, wait a minute, where did the time go? So it's been a a good day, but been productive. So I, I can't complain about that. Mm, good, good, good to hear. So you've joined me to talk about your father and your mother as well. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about parent loss. You know, it's a new chapter of our lives when we lose both sets of parents. Um, so I'm excited to have this conversation with you today. Um, mm-hmm. I want to hear a little bit more about um, your radio station Um okay. Just, you know, my listeners love to learn more about our guests, where they're from, what city they grew up in, and just (laughs) talk to me about your radio station, because I'm curious what music you play. 
So first and foremost, I have been in radio uh, for about 15, almost 16 years. Mm. Uh, backside of really just kind of following in my, my dad's footsteps, honestly. And I really just got into it after he passed away, honestly. And so now uh, I've been doing that and been an on-air personality. I have a show called The Happy Hour. Uh, it's happy hour somewhere. Right. No matter mm. where you live, it's happy hour. So we mm. have, my show is called The Happy Hour. And that's every night uh, beginning at 6 p.m. Central Time. And I'm also on on the weekend. Uh, but my show consists of R&B. Uh, we play a little hip hop here and there, nice. uh, but typically mainly R&B. And, you know, because there's so many crossovers in, in genre now of music, mm. we play music from, you know, 80s, 90s, uh, 2000s. Today, we play a lot of that stuff. So it encompasses all of that. I have a lot of features on my show. I do a mix every night that's on my show. One of our DJs does a mix on the show. And then also I have where I let people take over the entire hour of my show. And it literally gives you a chance to come in and, you know, text me a request and we get on the songs. And so it really is geared around you kind of having a little bit of control of, uh, of that particular hour. So it's always fun. And I, and I love what I do. Amazing. I love R&B and I love hip hop. And uh, I was growing up during the time of 90s R&B. Uh, yes. I mean, things have got come along since then. And uh, the genre and the music scenes changed a lot over time. I think but my heart will always be uh, during that time of the 90s R&B. I don't think we'll ever get back a time like that. No. No. Um, so it's really nice to hear that it's all R&B and hip hop that you're um, putting out there. And do you have any kind of like breaks where you do talk shows about specific topics or anything like that? It depends. Um, my show is more so geared around the music. Uh, mm -hmm. But then there are times where I get a chance to jump in and do some things that may you be geared around certain topics and conversations. Um, I try to be as relevant as possible to what's happening around and all the things that go along with just the normal uh, things that we may see, we may come up with that may happen. So if I'm not talking about things that we're getting ready to do as a station or events that are coming up as we are working to move out of what we've been dealing with during the pandemic, but just talking about all those things. And so I try to add some of that little flavor. It's like I like to say this is a little salt and pepper here in between songs or when I have time to do that in break. So, yeah, I get a chance to do that here and there a little bit. Oh, lovely, lovely. And I, I want to hear a little bit more about the legacy behind your radio career. You mentioned to me since we connected that your father was in radio for around 30 years. Yes, yes. And my dad was in radio for about 30 plus years or so. And as a kid, you know, I grew up going with him. You know, my dad had really three jobs, but I remember going to the radio station with him. And my dad actually, ironically, was on at night too. Um, and it's interesting, um, the full circle of life, the station that I'm on now that I've been on and the only station I've actually been on is the same frequency that my dad started radio on. Mm. Uh, different, different owners and different call letters, but the frequency that I'm on now is the same frequency he started his radio career on. And that was just a very ironic type of thing uh, to bring it kind of full circle. But he was in radio and I would go with him to the station and hang around all that stuff. And I oh. never thought, never thought I would be, be doing this. You know, I was always, you know, asked by friends and people that were uh, colleagues of his and, hey, you're going to do radio like it. I was like, no, I'm not doing radio, you know, and I'm not doing that. And I brushed it off and I didn't sound I, at the time I didn't 
sound anywhere near the way I sound now. I didn't think I would sound anywhere near what my dad sounded like. And I'm like, there's no way I would be doing radio. You know, I, I brushed it off in that sense. I don't have the voice for it. I didn't, none of that stuff. And I, I completely wiped it away. And so, you know, you fast forward to him passing and then me deciding to give it a shot, but it literally was me growing up being around it. Um, music really has been a part of my life from, from day one. Hmm. And you say you didn't want to get into radio. I mean, you were around it quite a lot. Is that imposter syndrome? Uh, you know, why was that? I, I don't know. I just felt like that was not what I was going to be doing. You know, think- you, you know, as a kid, you have all these hmm. crazy mental aspirations of what you may think you should do or whatever. Hmm. And, you know, I just didn't think radio was going to be my thing. I just, I just didn't, I I really didn't, you know, and I literally thought about it and and I was like, okay, nah, not really for me. I don't think that's what I'm going to end up doing. I think I'll end up doing something else. Wasn't sure what that was, but at the time I didn't think that that's what I was going to do. You know, I was just like, okay, you know, maybe something else, but you know, God clearly had a different plan for my life, which, which got me to where I am today. Uh, But yeah, I, I literally just was thinking of myself, you know, I'll do something else, you know, outside of, you know, doing that. Hmm. I think when we're young as well, we're still working things out, what we like, what we right. don't, what we don't like. And then sometimes there is a little bit of pressure in the environment we're in when our family members are in a certain career. So, I mean, you know, God has let you, you know, he's, he's taken you down this path. And um, is this, are you happy that you've gone into radio? Do you think your dad would be proud? Because it sounds like it's a legacy that your dad left behind. Yeah, I, I think that that's the thing that I honestly, you know, always have in my mind is, is he proud? Mm. Uh, and I, I know without any question, I know he is. And, mm. and I kind of had a little bit of this reassurance. I think when it was at some point, I can't remember exactly when, but, you know, that just that presence of, of him and just that, you know, I, I'm proud of you. And my dad was always proud of me always, you know, it just was his thing. It was like, he just was, you know, very, very um, always willing to talk about me to people and that sort of thing. And, you know, it's not a bragging moment, but, you know, my father was always proud of me from when mm. I was playing football or whatever I was doing. And he was always there for that stuff. And, my, my biggest struggle was always that he never heard me on the air. Yeah. And I, that's always been the thing I've wrestled with just because I was like, I just wanted you to hear, mm-hmm. you know, and my mother was alive, of course, during that time. And so she did. And she said, your dad would be so proud of you and so forth and so on. And, you know, I just always, you know, have wanted that to be the thing for like my dad just to hear me on the air like that. I used to listen to him. I listen to him all the time. And, and ironically, I actually found uh, one of the very few recordings um, that I have of him. And then I had somebody who actually is over uh, Birmingham Black Radio here locally to just out of the blue, send me a excerpt of a show that he used to do back in 1963, 60 oh, something. Lovely. And, you know, that was just was amazing. So, you know, those are the things that in my mind, I I just wish I had that chance for him to, to hear, you know, me today. And, and, you know, I've always, you know, what, dad, what do you think? That's, that'd be my first question. 
that'd be my first, you know, question to him if he, you know, was listening and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah. I think that's so lovely. I mean, it's lovely that you're able to go back in the archives and find something, you know, an excerpt that of, you know, your dad being on air. I think that's, that's so lovely. It sounds very comforting um, to be able to listen back to something like that. I mean, what was that moment like for you when you listened back? Oh, wow. Uh, it was, it was like that just surreal thing and just hearing his voice. It was comforting. It was, it was just just all and all around just a great feeling, mm. you know, um, just a thing that just was like, man, I get to, you know, hear his voice. And those are things, those are memories you 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 cherish, because I remember the last conversation I had with him. I remember the last conversation I had with my mom. And I always tell people, like, you don't ever take those moments that you have with people for granted. And, and, and you never know when your last conversation is going to be. And I remember and it was not a bad conversation. It's not bad at all. It just was the last conversation I had with him and playing it, that conversation back, I go, why did he say that? You know, and then the, you know, my mother and her last conversation with me, you know, it, it's, those are the things that you think about, but hearing his voice and, you know, I, I even sent that audio to my sister and it just, those are the memories you have that are good. And you, you, you reflect on those and they, they do make you sad but, you know, you still just need those. And those things mean a ton. They mean a lot. I wish there was more. I think oh, if there yeah, was more. I, <clears throat> no, it's never enough. Because I, I would play it all the time if I had if I had that. Or, you know, I have video. You know, I used family reunion stuff. I filmed some things and I have his voice on there or have him in that video. But, yeah, it's, 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 it's an interesting thing when you get a chance to hear it and what it does to you. Oh, absolutely. It was only yesterday I was, I've created a folder on my iPhone. Uh, it just says pops on it and it's just videos and pictures of me mm -hmm. and my dad. And I, I've posted one of the pictures because I was having a bit of an off day yesterday, I think, um, or a griefy day. <laughs> Let's say I was having a griefy day and I've, it is comforting and you do treasure even those mundane moments um, and those conversations and those audio clips. Yep, absolutely. And, and that's the thing about it. I think that mm. just like you, you know, you have a day that you, you know, and, and, I, and I have those days, you know, um, yesterday was one of those days. It was not a bad day, mm. but it was a day that I just really had a burden that I wanted to go to the cemetery. Mm. And I was like, I'm going to go. And the radio station is not far from the, the, the cemetery that they're buried in, mm. which is a huge cemetery, mm. which on a side note, it's the most confusing one in the entire <laughs> world to figure out how to find. I mean, it's not. It's like they have block numbers and it will say like block 14 and then right across the way, it's like block 50. And you, you're trying to find like 24 and you you ride around forever. I literally have made landmarks and I've used other headstones as landmarks to know I'm in the right place. But I was really wanting to go out there yesterday and I went and it's always healthy. I think it's healthy. I think to go out there and you get a chance to just be in that space and whatever emotions you have at that moment you have those emotions and you just get a chance to go. And, and I think that that's a good thing. I, I, I always try to go and, you know, I haven't been in a while, but going yesterday was good. 
Mm. And going to the cemetery, is it also a reminder that, you know, this world is temporary, that life is short? Absolutely. It, it reminds you, I think even not only that, I think just what this past year was a greater reflection of how temporary things are. I know too many people that I know personally who are gone because of COVID. Mm. And then you look at how quickly life can, we, we, we have a short window of time. It may seem like a long time, but we really have a short time. And you don't know how long that time is, but it's so valuable. It's so precious. And, and every moment that you have, every gift that God has given you as a day, you really have to make the most of that. And you really have to look at it and, and, and really analyze things and say, okay, how can I live my life to the best? And how can I make the most of that? Because every single moment is not promised. Absolutely. And that is the part for me that I get a chance to think about sometimes. And I think as you get older, the value of the things that really matter to you and what really are the things that you care about, um, it begins to outweigh the little things, the things Absolutely. that are just, they don't, that don't matter. Absolutely. I mean, they just don't. I mean, they, they, they really don't. In, in the grand scheme of things, right, when you look at it from the big picture, they really don't. Mm. You know, um, that's the part that I think that as a society, as people, we lose sight of because when, when tragedy hits, and, and affects everybody, these pandemics or anything, they don't, they don't care who you are. They don't care where you're from. That stuff doesn't matter. It affects everybody. So, you know, I think about those things, but it's very, very good for me to reflect on that. And I think you get a chance to analyze some things too, you know? Mm, absolutely. I relate to everything you're saying here about visiting the cemetery, that it can bring solace and comfort. And there, there is so much power and reflection. We, we don't know when the last conversation is going to be. And mm -hmm. I, you know, when I think about when my dad died, I didn't know that was going to be my last conversation with him. It was a lovely conversation, but it, you know, it's just really shocking and you do go back and you do think about those last few moments that you had mm -hmm. with your lo loved one um I, I want to learn a little bit more about your father um okay what was your dad like wow um my dad was my dad was my hero my dad was my dad was amazing you know um i was and i tell people this all the time how blessed i was because my father was a stern man, but he was a man. And I say that because he helped me to be the man that I am today. My dad was the nicest person that he could be. I knew my dad was about, was serious about, you know, discipline. And he wasn't, you know, a person that I wanted to disappoint. And he showed me how to do everything that I know how to do. Mm. You know, I, I can't even begin to tell you, you know, so many people that don't know the basics of, you know, tying a tie to how to, you know, put on a suit to, you know, taking care of things around the house and being very handy, if you will, and understanding all the things that, you know, really are a part of just developing you as a man. He was very, very clear on making sure that I knew how to do these things and teaching me and showing me and, 
you know, that was a beautiful thing about that. Our relationship was great. You know, I would talk to my dad about anything. Um, my dad was one who growing up, you know, it was always fun to help him and whatever he was doing. I always was eager to, you know, to help him if he was working in the yard or he was, you know, cleaning the cars or whatever he was doing. And his leadership as a father and as a husband really helped me to be, you know, where I am today. And I didn't have to worry about, you know, well, can an uncle show me how to do this or a cousin show me how to do that? My dad made sure that everything that I needed to know, he made sure that I knew that. And I didn't leave, you know, the time of him being on earth going, man, I wish my dad had shown me how to do this, or I don't know how to do that. You know, and that was a beautiful part about that, just him as a man. But he was one that I looked up to um, in, in more ways than one because he made sure we were taken care of. Mm. He made sure that, you know, my mother didn't need for anything, that he would go last. It was like if there was something he would go without because he wanted to make sure we had what we needed. And it wasn't that they couldn't get it. It just was he was making sure that we had what we needed, that my sister and I were taken care of and that he was making sure that everything that we were trying to get done, that he was able to get it done and he was supportive and just, you know, there's so many things that I could say. I, I actually did this survey a year ago that really was just kind of about your state of your, your, your mental health and just kind of how you grew up rating your, you know, things that you went through in life. And I felt kind of bad because everything that I rated was like, great. I mean, I didn't have a childhood or an experience or experiences that I could sit back and say, man, that was a bad moment. Or, that was a bad time in, in life. I didn't, I didn't have that. And I, I, that's due to, you know, my amazing parents and, and the man that my father was, you know. So, again, for me to be where I am today, you know, I couldn't be there without the man that, that I had before me as an example. That is so lovely. It's so lovely to hear that your father was fully present in your life um, <laughs> from the moment you were born and until the mm -hmm. end. I mean, that's yep. so lovely to hear, particularly <laughs> in, um, you know, if you're from a marginalized group or I've heard previously mm -hmm. on the podcast in the black community that sometimes fathers are not present. Yep. Uh, and you know, I've had a father that's been fully present my whole entire life. So I've always felt blessed. Um, just as you say, you felt kind of bad when you're filling out that survey because it was a very yeah. high, rate, high <laughs> rating for everything. It, it was. I'm like, a, OK, I think like it was A through whatever. And I'm like, I mean, my whole thing was like A and I'm going, I don't even want to turn this in because I'm like, everybody's going to think I'm lying. And I'm like, I'm not really lying. You know, I actually <laughs> called my sister to tell her, I said, do you realize how blessed we were? I said, do you really realize how blessed we were growing up? What did she say? I said, she said, you know, she said, I, she said, I know. She said, I mean, and I was telling her I filled out the survey and she just was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. Because we talked about some things and I said, man, what do we, we not, we may not have gotten, I mean, every kid's like, I want everything. You know, we didn't get everything we wanted. But we didn't need for anything. We didn't want for anything. We had parents who, were very clear on us respecting them and all those things that go along with it. But for the example we had and the things that they did, the sacrifices they made for us, 
that helped shape us to, to, to be the parents and, and, and to lead the way we are now. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it, it was, it was, you know, a time when I had a chance to kind of reflect for a moment, you know, and I'm grateful that, you know, my father was present and active and, and a part of my life. And I, I'll never forget, you know, my dad was older. My, of course, my parents were their age. They were about 17 years apart. So my mother was like 27. My dad was like 44 um, mm. when they got married. And my, my dad, you know, being, you know, being that he was older at that time and not, not where he couldn't get around. I'm not saying that that wasn't the case, but you know, my dad, I mean, he made a beeline the year we won state championship in high school playing football. He made a beeline to get to that field to find me. And I mean, that was like the highlight of, of everything, you know, for him. So that's why I reflect back and just, you know, you ask the question, like, you know, how, would he respond today, you know, to what I'm doing and where I am? Um, those are things that I always think about. Oh, that is so lovely. So, so lovely. I feel like I know your dad. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he was, he, I mean, I tell people all the time that people that knew him, I mean, he's left a mark till to, to this day. People that know me because of him that are still around always talk about the man that he was. Mm. That's the kind of legacy I, I, I think that, that, that you want to leave. Oh, absolutely. It, you want to leave that where others respect you and say, man, he was a great man. Mm. You know, your father was an amazing man. You know, he was a hardworking man. You know, all these things you, you hear and, and you hear that about your parents and you go, man, wow, they had an impact on people and people truly respected them. And, 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 and that was the kind of person that, that he was and, you know, the person she was. And I think that's important part of the grieving process as well. The, mm -hmm. the type of relationship that you had with the person and what that looked like and the experiences you've had. Because, yep. you know, after two seasons of Bereavement Room, I hear lots of different experiences and stories. Sometimes mm -hmm. there's estrangement within the family. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes people didn't even know their dad um, mm -hmm. or maybe they had a poor relationship and it does impact that person's grieving process right. um, because it is the attachment that we have with that person and how present or not present they were or the kind of life that you lived. And I, you know, it's really important to sort of practice that gratitude, I think, around that and be thankful for that because, when I think of my dad, just as you're speaking about your dad, it just makes me think, yeah, I'm so thankful that I had a very loving and present father mm -hmm. um, because my grief could have looked very, very different right now. You know? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it looks different. I think how you see things, um, especially as a woman, mm. it, it can shape that. Um, that's why a lot of times the the challenges that a lot of women have today are shaped by the experiences they have with their father mm. and they can be good or bad, but they end up changing how they see men because of their past experiences. And so if their lens of view on a man was shaped negatively by their father, it can have them have a bad adverse effect to how they see other men or the challenges that they may have or may be having even in trying to establish solid relationships with other men because of the things that they went through. So it, it, it all plays a big part in that. And I'm just grateful because the, the, the example that, that I had and uh, were my parents perfect? Absolutely not. 
but no, their parent at, is. No, but at the end, <laughs> at the end of the day, they did their best. They did their best, and I respect everything that they did. You know, mm. because I was determined. You know, and you you <laughs> you find yourself when you become a parent, you find yourself doing the things that they did because that is what you were accustomed to. That's what you were, you know, you know, kind of natured into doing, you know, and that's what you carry over in your life. You always say, now you say, oh man, I sound like my parents now. You do yeah. because you, you, you're, you're used to that and that, that is what shaped you and it made you into who you are. And so you want to mold and shape your children into that same type of situation uh, as well. So, you know, those are things that you carry over, man. You don't forget. Absolutely. You do morph into your parents. I, yeah, you do. <laughs> I, 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 I certainly am with the gardening now. I think, I think my mum would certainly be proud. They were, they were gardeners, my parents. They loved gardening and growing their own food. And, you know, I'm now growing my own food. Uh, if you'd asked See? me that, if you asked me that 10 years ago, I'd have been like, no, are you crazy? Like that's uncool. Right. Right. Well, see, that's the same thing as it relates to me in radio. You would have asked me that, you know, 20 years ago, I'd have been like, man, no, you know, I'm like, I'm not doing that, you know, but now I do, I do everything that my dad for the most part used to do, you know, I, I mean, mm. from my mother was a great cook. My dad was a, a cook and my dad could barbecue like none other. And I took all of that from him and started with him and all the things that I do when it comes to that, I mean, down to how immaculate I am about taking care of my yard and cars. Mm. And that is something I, I, I was taught. I was taught. I mean, I tell people all the time to come down. To, I said, you can, I guarantee you can find my house during the summer. I said, there's no question you can find my house. It's the, nice, it's the nicest kept yard in the neighborhood. <laughs> and that's not a bragging moment. It's just the fact. And, <laughs> but, I, but I take pride in that. It's, mm. And, and, I, and I'll, I'll say this. One of the things that I think that has always been healthy for me is I've dealt with grieving or whatever. There are things that I know that I have to make sure that I do. Mm. So, so for, so for example, barbecuing, no matter how much I have to do, or if I'm catering something for somebody doing that, whatever, I truly enjoy that because that is a very close connection point to my dad. Um, and so I feel very connected to him when I do that. Doing radio is 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 the same way. Um, it's same same thing when it comes to me going fishing. I love to fish. That's something I did with him. So it's peaceful and it's it's a connection point for me when I get a chance to do that, you know. And so all of those things are things that I find a lot of solace in because they were connection points for me and my father, and 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 I enjoy them. And and even down to I made it clear during the holidays we have to do something. Because my family did something every holiday, every holiday we did something. We cooked. My mother was a, she was the, the the one that cooked like food for an army. Like she cooked like that, and it was just four of us, but she cooked like that. But mm. I have the same I I have the same method of of how I, I cook food. I, I struggle with cooking small amounts, and and that's just that's just how it is. And my mother's way of you know people have different ways of how they show their gratitude to people or whatever. And hers was giving and, and, and cooking and doing those kinds of things she loved to do. So I ended up taking on just that. I, 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 it's the same way, you know? So I look at all those things in my life now and I, I look at how I got those from parents and, and how that has shaped, you know, me today. My sister's the same way. 
mm-hmm. you know, and so I, she she's a reflection of a lot of those things in my mom too. Yeah, and I think with food, you know, food there is such a big intersection between food and grief. Actually, there's there's so much of that. Uh, uh, it can be such an important part of your grief process and the memories that you have. So um, I'm definitely looking forward to coming to one of your barbecues soon. By the sounds of it, it sounds like your dad put on <laughs> a hell of a barbecue. It, it, yeah, it's good. Now I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> But again, I think that that's where I think, you know, for me, when you deal with grief and you deal with your the loss of those in your life, you find those things that you do and, and those things that I do uh, are, are, are healthy and they, they mm. help. Mm. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more, which kind of brings me to ask you, um, let's have a reflective moment here, a bit of reflection about you know what it was like when you found out your father was unwell and and the change if any in family dynamics at that point yeah so going back to what i said about my last conversation it was a normal weekend it was a saturday saturday night and i was getting ready to go you know hang out with my friends and i had moved back home and i said hey you know they were sitting there you know watching TV. And I said, Hey, I'm getting ready to, you know, go out. I'll, I'll see you guys a little bit later. And he was like, you going tonight? I'm going, dad, it's a uh, Saturday. Okay. And I'm, I'm thinking, why did he say that? You know, and I just brushed it off and kept moving. Well, a couple of hours later, that's when I got a phone call that, you know, he was having problems breathing. And so they had to take him to the hospital and I met them at the hospital and he was in a coma from that point until he passed away. And I never had another conversation with him, you know, and I play that back all the time thinking he must have knew something because for him to say that, because he never said that before. And I, I, I can see that. I can see their room. I can see him. I can see my mom. and I can see him saying that to me just as clear as I'm looking at this room. And it's, it's, it's always played in my mind and it was, it was a struggle. You know, I think that the struggle during the time that he was in a coma was, was a challenge because, you know, we were going every day, going to go see him every day. Mm. And it was, you, 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 you're hoping you're praying that things will turn around and things will get better. And that was a big struggle because it was three months and ironically, which is weird because I never normally used to have my phone on um, during that time. Believe it or not, I didn't have my cell phone on back during that time. Amazing. Right. Um, I actually had my phone and I didn't have that much great reception downstairs. So I would never forget that it was a Saturday morning and my phone rang and it was a people from the healthcare facility. They were calling me. I said, how in the world did they get my number? I don't even remember. They had my cell phone. I have no idea. To this day, I don't know. They called me to tell me that he had passed away. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I can't relay this message. Mm-hmm. I can't go up here and, and tell my mom and my sister this message. I can't do that. Like, well, if you, if you can't, we'll call We'll, We'll try to call the house and it's like, okay. And I'm like, I couldn't do it. And that was, that was difficult 
very, very difficult, um, very challenging, you know. So uh, that was a part of that whole process of him being ill because it was abruptly. My dad wasn't, nothing was to our knowledge. He wasn't in the hospital prior to that. He wasn't, he wasn't laid up sick anywhere. This just happened. Now, my dad was one of those people that he didn't want to burden anybody. So if my dad was not feeling good. He probably didn't say anything. Mm. But no indication prior to that that dad was not well. Like he was at home on a normal night. It wasn't like there was anything else happening. Mm. So it was it was very abruptly, you know, for all of us. And you were not able to relay that message when you received it. So did they phone your mother? Yeah. So what happened was I made it upstairs and I um I think she was like, What's wrong? And I just and by that time, the phone rang and I just, I just fell right there. And that was, that rocked my world. Mm. That, that, that was, that, that, that rocked my world. That was. Yeah, I can hear, I can hear it in your voice very very difficult thing to have to re you know relay that message you know you're debilitated in that moment because it's so shocking it's inconce yeah. inconceivable and it, it, yeah it, it's, it's shocking and it's just a thought you 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 don't think that i i think as kids you know we 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 think our parents are are in, invincible of course yes and I, I came to that conclusion. I'm like, we think our parents are, you know, and, you know, they're unable to to be hurt or nothing would happen to them. Mm. You know, I, I I remember. It's amazing how things are, but I remember. Years, I don't know how many prior to my dad passing, I remember hearing or not hearing. I remember having dreams or visions, if you will, of me speaking at my father's funeral. Um, and, you know, it would be such a brief flash. And I would try to play that out of my head and, you know, ignore that or whatever. And I'm like, no, no. And this was, this was, and I don't, and it literally, I didn't have those anymore after he died, but I didn't, I did end up speaking at his funeral, but it just was <clears throat> one of those things that played in my head over time that I just was, you know, always trying to block out that, you know, that's not going to happen, you know, cause you know, you don't think of your parents being, you know, destructible, but of course you know. they are protectors. Uh, we grow up yeah. with that knowledge in our mind that they are there yep. to protect <clears throat> us and yep. they're the people that we, we learn from. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So in that moment, the services informed your mother that he had died. Mm -hmm. And then was your sister around? Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. My sister was there. Um, she was there. Um, and I'm trying to remember. Was my sister there? Wait a minute. Uh, I think she was there. I think my sister had either... I'm trying to remember to my sister. Was she just married at that time? Either way, she either, I think she was there. Um, 
Yeah, it's. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. It's it's hard. It's it's very blurred because I don't. I know my sister was married when um. I know he. They were. She was married because my my nephew, my nephew was here. Mm. So either they were, either they were all. They both were here, or either they were. um, They were in Atlanta. I can't remember where they were at that time. But okay. either way, yeah, it was it was a very it was that was a very I don't rem- I remember I remember the moment of going up there to tell her I remember you know them calling and I remember going to the place and I do remember after after he passed it just shows you the impact that people have on the the lives of others and how much people thought of him and my family Mm. from that moment that afternoon there was there was a car at my house for at least over a month or or more yeah yeah people yeah and it and and which was which was i mean a blessing but it was i mean it was every day there was somebody there every day on a regular basis and you know that was something i'll never forget too of course, the community support is just so yeah. wonderful during what is such a distressing time. Now, when you and I were talking, um, when we'd connected, you you mentioned that your mum grieved quite differently. For example, yeah. she, she <clears throat> never she never visited your father's grave. Can you kind of mm-hmm. re- reflect on that with me? Yeah, that was, you know, I, I had gotten older at that time and I, I just kind of, you know, I wasn't, of course, I was not living at home and my mother had moved. She was, when my dad died, my mom was, she, she got out the house. She sold the house. She got another house built. She just, it was a very, very difficult time for her. And there were times where, you know, she would constantly call me. She said, I don't know what to do. You know, she said, you know, he's gone, you know, and my mom began to deal with it in different ways. And that's why I think people, you know, even at a listening, you gotta you gotta handle grief, and you gotta get help if you need help, and you need to find a way to address it because if you don't address it, it will eat away at you, and it can dangerously eat away at you because you can't ignore all those things, put it to the side, and act like you know that's going to be the solution to fix the, the issue. And I think my mother tried to do that. Um, and it wasn't healthy. It, it wasn't healthy. You know, my mother didn't want to go out to the cemetery. I don't think she wanted to face that reality again. But she never visited the cemetery ever. No. Is that what you Mm-mm. said? After <clears throat> after the funeral, that was that was it. Not once. <clears throat> after the funeral, she never went. And I never tried to force her to go. I was like, Mom, you need to go. No, I'm not going. I'm not going. And that was years later, you know, um, and and I, I just said okay, you know. But she she never allowed herself to, I think, properly heal and deal with it. That's why I, if I need to cry, I'll cry. Mm. That's why if I need to go out there, I'll go. Mm. Uh, you know, whatever it is that I need to do, and I and I have moments where I can be at home and doing something else, and it'll hit me, hit me then. There's no time frame on you saying, okay, well, by now you should be over this. Um, no. that, that's a statement for anybody to say that you should be over those things. Uh, first and foremost, 
if they've never dealt with that and gone through it, they have no idea what that's like. Exactly. And exactly. I, and, I, and anybody that says that, I have a problem with it because you don't understand. And if you've ever been down that road, you can understand. And that's why I don't say when people say, you know, I lost somebody or whatever, and I understand. I truly do understand. Mm. And I know it can be difficult. And I've talked to people that have lost parents since I've lost mine. And I told you when we kind of talked initially, I said, you know, it's all about truly the prayer um, that I was consistently praying on a regular basis to make sure that that was keeping me grounded. My relationship with Christ and all these things were so vital to me being able to deal with these things because I couldn't do it on my own. I mean, there's no way I could. And if you don't have that or you don't have a way to even with that you still can talk to somebody and getting the help you need to work through these challenges because grief is 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 a very serious thing and it can eat away at you and and I think that that's what happened to my mom I really do I think that's what happened to her and she was so heartbroken um and my heart was hurting for her you know I mean I I couldn't fix that you know I couldn't fix mm. I didn't know what it was like to lose a spouse. You get yeah. what I'm saying? I, yeah. I didn't know that. I, I didn't understand. But for her to have been, he was pretty much all she knew from 27, you know, until he passed. Of course. And it's a, a long, you know, when it's a, a partner or a spouse, it's a long, you know, they've spent a large chunk of life together setting up this life. And then when that person's gone, it is your whole world comes crashing down. And I, I can only imagine what that must be like for a, a spouse, lose, you know, losing their partner that they've built their whole life together, essentially. But I guess what I'm trying to get at is, do you think it was a survival mechanism for your mum, or you, or you just don't know? I, I don't know. I think it was a survival mechanism to a degree. Um, I think my mother was trying to work through it, um, and I think that that was her way of working through it. You know how some people do the out of sight, out of mind type of thing. And I think sometimes people, if you don't see it, it's not really there. Mm. But, you know, our parents, our grandparents and our parents are a slightly different generation. And they have always done things, I think, different to your generation and my generation. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I just wonder, you know, they lived in traumatic times and it was very much suck it up or else right. do, you, do you think that might have had a part to to play in the in the pain and trauma because it is very traumatic he had died uh, yeah, so yeah. suddenly yeah I think it may may have played a part in that I think I think it may have I, I I don't know how much of that may have played a part in it I just think that my mother truthfully I believe my mother honestly was upset with God oh okay and, and, and I think she was because, you know, when you when you're praying and you're believing that he will be healed and all these things and it doesn't happen, you feel like God let you down. You feel like that I was praying and you didn't even answer my prayer. But I had to tell her and I had to think about it. And I said, well, you know, dad did get a healing. He got an he got the ultimate healing. I said he doesn't have to deal with what he was dealing with, and the challenge of trying to want to keep a person here 
But then also on the other side of it, knowing that how they were physically and the impacts of all those things, you got to look at it and see the other side of that. And and it's hard to do. It's not easy. Mm. But, you know, I I told her that I said, you know, I, I really believe, you know, that that is what we were praying for. It didn't manifest itself into being what we wanted. But as a believer, you got to trust God in a situation that doesn't make sense to you. And Mm -hmm. that may be easy to say at this moment, but at the same time, it's something sometimes you have to sit back and look at and you have to say, okay, you know, may not make sense to me, but with God being all knowing, I had to trust him in this situation, even though it was very difficult. And so, you know, it's a part of a growth process. So you got to really look at these things that way and you got to think about them and I know for her, it just was the simple fact, I think that she was upset. And I think she was. I think she was upset. I think she was disappointed. Uh, I think all those things that go along with it, you know, so you, you battle all of that stuff internally. And it's it's how you channel that. And and like I said, again, I just don't think she, she dealt with it well. Um, and, and I don't think it was good for her health, you know, in the long run. I really don't. Mm. And we're going to we're going to come to that about your mum, because your mum died 10 years later and mm-hmm. um, she had some health issues. Uh, mm-hmm. I just I want to just before we go there, I want to talk a bit about faith, because I know it's a big part of your life. Sure. Um, it's also a big part of my life. Uh, I think when something horrendous like this happens and it's so sudden and you pray for that person to get better and that they don't or just something happens really suddenly without any warning. Um, I, you know, we're, we're from quite similar religions, pretty much ish. The people of the book, mm-hmm. I guess you could say Christianity, Islam, Judaism, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I do feel that with death, you know, is a, it's God testing you, testing your patience. Uh, mm-hmm. cause there, there is an afterlife. I mean, I believe mm-hmm. that, you know, that we, we will have to answer to God and um, there is another life that you transition to, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And do you believe that your father has transitioned to another life? Do you believe it was part of a test and and testing your patience with God and God's will? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I I, I believe that without any question. Um, You know, I, I, I think I shared with you, I know I felt my father's presence and even in drink in a dream um, shortly after he passed away. And it was very reassuring in the sense of that every, he, everything's okay. And that he's here, meaning that he's around. Um, and I really believe that a lot of times you get tested that way and how much do you, you know, see, it's easy to say you have faith when things are going well. Of course. It's, it's easy to say, you know, faith is you, you're standing firm on your faith and you're trusting God in the situation and all yeah. these things. But when you go through the test, that's where the test really comes in. See, people always talk about a testimony and like, oh, I got a testimony. Well, there's no test without a testimony. Mm. And you, you, you've got to you got to have that to go through. You got to have the test for the testimony to even be able to be told. And those things that you go through. They are tests to really test you and to test your faith and really stands firm on where you stand in these things. And and that could be a little bit of a challenge because we all have some selfishness intentions where we want somebody to hang around forever or we feel as though this is what we think should happen. And I think it does test that. 
you know, how much do you trust me? How much do you really, you know, believe in what you say? Um, that's all a part of it. And I think it all goes together. But yeah, absolutely. I believe my father, you know, I believe my father is in heaven. Um, I believe my mother's in heaven, you know, and, you know, I, that's, I never had a question about that. Um, I, I never did. It was more so of just the fact that I couldn't pick up the phone and call or I couldn't, you know, have them around in that kind of physical sense. But I still feel their presence, you know, even to this day um, and, and times in my life when I when I felt that. And mm-hmm. and so it's it's comforting in that space. But, yeah, absolutely. I believe we all go through that test, you know, and, and how much you really going to trust trust God in the situation that you don't understand. You don't have any, any control over. Mm. Um, absolutely. You put it so nicely there. And I think that this is a reflection of your testament of faith, actually, um, mm. as you reflected there about how you feel about your faith and these distressing moments that you have, because it's really easy to have faith when things are going well. You're absolutely right. Absolutely. <laughs> but when the worst thing in the world happens, it's a, it's a different story. And I've, absolutely. Heard, I've heard so much of that on the podcast where people are like, you know, I went to church every Sunday, you know, I prayed to God every night and then they took away my parent or my sibling and, you know, you know, just as things were going well. And people do grapple with that in their grief mm-hmm. and, yep. and, and trying to get back to faith can be a bit of a struggle. So mm-hmm. I definitely hats off to you for just believing. And, you know, this is a testament of your faith. Absolutely. Which kind of brings me to ask about your mum then, because she passed away 10 years later. Um, talk to me a little <laughs> bit about the decisions that you had to make when it came to your mother's health. Yeah. So um, my mother, you know, my last conversation with her was, Hey, Sly can't breathe. And that was the last word she said to me. Um, at, at That whole entire situation, you know, my mother had, previously experienced three strokes. So she was recovering. Mm. She was trying to get to where she was wanting to be physically. I knew, cause I asked the doctor, I was like, look, <laughs> don't give me, you know, what you want to try to tell me to make me feel okay. Mm. Will my mother be able to fully be functional you know, normally this before she passed away, you know, because she was dealing with a lot of dizziness because of the strokes. She was having all these things going on. And and that, that was just a part of it. And they said right now, based on her overall scans, there's not enough blood flow to that area of her brain. So it's going to continue to cause her to have that problem. It could miraculously heal itself. And there's a very good chance it won't. I said, okay. And my mother never really knew the the full ramifications of that. She just was dealing with it. But, you know, I was still optimistic that and praying that she would get better. But when that happened, um, it was abruptly, you know, that situation. It just took me by surprise in that sense. But my mother at that point, we were back in the same situation to a degree where my father was, where he was in a coma. and My mother was out and my sister and I. Had a, had a, had a conversation. It was me, my sister, my wife, and her husband. And we all sat down. And I said, I said, look, we've been through this before. 
I said, now this was on the on on the backside of waiting on the results from the doctor for the actual um, stroke doctors at, at UAB here in Birmingham. And they had all of the top doctors that were in the stroke division working with her. And one of the top interventionists that's in, in the world that works, that comes and does UAB stuff, did not want to do the surgery because of the situation that my mother had from her strokes. And so they, you know, they said, well, we're going to do, do these other tests. We're going to run <clears throat> some other uh, brain activity stuff and, you know, we'll get yeah. the results. And so when they came back for the results, they told us and they said, hey, listen, um, so here's the results. Basically, my mother was brain dead you know, and there was very little to no activity on the, on the chart and what they showed us and what they explained to us. It was nothing. And if she recovered, my mother would basically have been, as they say, a vegetable, not, you know, able to do anything. Okay. And so we just, we, we, we talked about it. We had a discussion about it. I said, we don't want to go, do we want to go through this again? And my sister said, well, I don't know, I don't know. I said, well, listen, I said, when they tell us what, what, what they have to tell us, you know, we've got to decide on what we want to do and what's going to be best. I said, because currently mom was on a breathing machine where she was on a ventilator and that was her levels were, she wasn't really breathing much on her own. You know, I think, I can't remember what the percentages were, but it wasn't enough for them to say, okay, she can even come off. So we made a decision to, say, hey, we'll take her off. And if she she breathes on her own and she's okay breathing on her own, that's fine. But this was all after finding out the results of what the doctors told us. And so we made that decision and <clears throat> her sisters understood, other people understood, you know, and that was not easy. Mm. But I also knew the backside of, okay, here's what they have told us about mom's condition. And here's where she is right now as it relates to everything they've said about her brain activity. There's not any. There's not any at all. She'd be sitting here on this ventilator for however long that they could keep her on a ventilator. But there's nothing going on. And that was a hard situation to be in. But it had been so painful <clears throat> because we had already been through three strokes. We had been through three strokes. We've been through the recovery. We've been through taking care. I was taking care of her at home and my sister wasn't even in the state. And so it was all these things happening and it was a lot to really process. But making that decision was not one that I will tell you was ever easy. Not at all. Not at all. You know, but when we made that decision, you know, we, we collectively talked through everything that we, that we decided to do. And we were all, you know, we were on the same page on what we need to do, mm -hmm. but that was not easy. That was, that was not, not easy at all. No. And it is really important <clears throat> to be able to have that conversation with everyone collectively about what to do, because it's quite a heavy decision to make alone. Absolutely. You can't make that decision alone. You, you can't make that decision alone. Um, and that's why we had to talk through that. I think that's another thing that people go through in these challenges of siblings and family is the relationships. I'm grateful that my sister and I have a wonderful relationship, mm. but that was very, very critical. But at the same time, they looked to me for decisions and what was happening. I made a lot of the decisions 
collectively because my sister's younger and my sister just looked at me as her big brother and she wanted me to, you know, I was <clears throat> leading the charge on, on it. and I didn't have a problem with that, but I had to be strong and make decisions for what we wanted to do and how we wanted things to be, mm. you know, um, and I don't feel bad about any of the decisions we made, you know, and what we decided to do. Um, I, I don't feel bad about that at all. Mm. Um, you know, not to this day, but having conversations and talking about those things were very important. Yeah, very helpful to have that because you need, you know, there's something about everyone coming together and getting that moral support. And I yeah. think if the facts are laid out to you by the medics that of quality of life will we'll never resume in the way that yeah. it once was, then, you know, that can be a very large deciding factor of what you do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that was the reason why we asked the question. I didn't want them to tell me, you know, some glazed over answer. Mm. I literally said, hey, I need it. I need it straight. As they say, straight, no chaser. I don't need anything added to it. Tell me the honest truth. Where is her quality of life based mm. upon what you're telling us? Yeah. You know, yeah. And they told me the truth and they, and they told me the truth. And they said, listen, you know, I mean, we had some amazing doctors. Mm. And when you when when doctors are emotional, that's a that 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 really, you know, it, it hits home. But I, I remember all that stuff like yesterday and they just really, you know, they had a hard time having that conversation. But, mm. you know, I, I appreciated them for being honest and. I couldn't ask for anything more than that, you know, mm. I think the empathy of uh, healthcare professionals is very important in these instances because you, Absolutely. you really know that the information they're relaying is true. It is factual. It's there to support you. And uh, we hear some horror stories in healthcare. We definitely have on this podcast. I've got my own personal experiences of it. And I think that's also a very large factor when it mm -hmm. comes to your grief, a very important one. So I'm really ha happy that you had that support from the medical professionals and the family support mm -hmm. to make what is a very, very difficult decision. So did you and your sister sit by your mum's side when they took the ventilator off? What was that like for you? Uh, I didn't want to do that. Okay. Um, I didn't, I, I didn't, I couldn't do that. Um, what I, now there were family members mm. who wanted to be in there and I just couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, I, where I stand and, and again, going back to my faith, you know, my sister didn't go in there either. I said, you know, I know my mother's going to heaven and I know my mother's spirit has already left. Mm. I said, mom, mom is not in that room. Yeah. And I know she's not. I said, mama has been gone for a long time mm. and I'm okay with that. Me being in there with her to take her last breath doesn't do anything for me. She could talk to me. That's different, but she can't. So I didn't, being in there wasn't going to help me, you know, and, and I didn't have, my sister was fine with that, but that was not something I had to do. And, and there are people you know, who have traditional things that they want to do and being in there. And some, some of our, my mom's family was in there, you know, our family, I should say we're, we're in there. Um, but I didn't have to be in there for that. And, you know, um, I was, I can't, I was not far away, but I already knew deep down what was going to, what was going to be, you know, what was going to end up happening because I knew, you know, you know, my, um, my wife being a, a respiratory therapist, 
her knowledge of ventilator machines and all these things, she knew what percentage my mom was on. Okay. And she knew what she knew what percentage she was actually doing on her own. And her seeing that every day, she she knew probably how that was going to end up going anyway. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I didn't, I, I couldn't be in there. Okay. I hear you. I hear you. It's hard. It's, it's not easy um, no. in, in situations like that. And you have to do what is right for you uh, in that moment. So, you know, you've had quite a hard decade, past 10 years, yeah. with, with losing both parents, uh, can definitely relate, um, because I also had a 10-year gap after my mum died, it was then my dad, um, and so you had one anticipatory grief, I guess you could say, and then one very abrupt, sudden, you know, mm-hmm. passing of your father. Um, you talked a bit about holidays earlier on mm-hmm. and how the, you know, you always did something every holiday season, but when a parent dies, it's often hard to um, be able to recreate once yeah. what we once had during the holiday season. Kind of talk to me about what it means to be determined to do something during the holiday <laughs> period. Yeah. So you, you're always, you know, shaping your life around your experiences and what you were used to. And for me, I knew that I could not just have a holiday that comes up and and we don't do anything or I'm not cooking or there's not that, that atmosphere, if you will, that you were used to. And so I just made it a point that I said, listen, I don't care if anybody comes over. I don't care if nothing, we're going to do something whether I'm barbecuing, whether I'm cooking, you know, cause I'm the, the chef, you know, and when it comes to any of that, it doesn't matter what it is. I could not let it go by and not do anything. Okay. Because being still and doing nothing, it, it's a disconnect for me, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but would you say you're able to recreate something else then in memory of what? Yeah, I, like I think that? so. Okay. I think so. It, it, to a degree. And, and let me let me be very honest with you. Mm-hmm. I, I had this conversation with my sister around this last holiday because this one was different. This was a challenge because of COVID. And I, I, we normally would exchange gifts with my sister and we would go over there and, and spend that uh, spend a weekend with them prior to and didn't get to do any of that. And all these things were different. And, and I and I talked to her and I said, you know, it always is good to do things and create things and your own traditions. And she she does some of the same similar things as well. But the part that was missing, it always feels like something is not is missing. And I know what it is because I go through those emotional roller coasters. Mm-hmm. Being very honest, I go through the man. It's the holiday. Great, mm-hmm. oh, man. I'm thinking about this. Man, I hate they're not here. Yeah. You know, or I have a memory or something. So you go through this up and down, up and down roller coaster. And I know I do. What what's difficult, and I and I'm and I've told my sister this. I'm the one that got the phone call that my dad passed. Sure. Yeah. I'm the one that got the call from my mom that she couldn't breathe. I'm the one that found her in her house. And and was and you know, I called 911. I'm the one that saw her. I have those memories etched in my head for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. My sister never saw any of that. Mm-hmm. So 
that challenge of those elements of those things that you go through emotionally during the holidays. And that's why doing something helps me, me cooking and doing these things with my family and, and, and trying to make the best of that and enjoying it and creating, trying to create new memories um, yeah. are very important, you know, and I think that that's the part of it that I try to do. Um, it, it's a combination of things that we used to do or that I enjoy doing to, okay, every year we're going to make sure that I do this because this is a part of a memory. And, I, and I've talked to my kids about this. I said, listen, when you get older, your recreation of what you had during the holidays, when you have a family, you're going to want to create some of these same things because you enjoyed them and they were fun. And that's what you used to do. And they're memories that you're going to carry over with you for the rest of your life. And I take the same approach now. So I try to do some of those things. But yeah, I have times where I'm going through this, you know, man, or I may I may be doing something in the kitchen or something like that. And I may think about my mom or my dad and I may, you know, I may break down. I mean, that's just, it's a part of it, you know, and it's, it's an ongoing thing, but doing something helps me. It's, it is a part of a healing for me. I know me personally, mm-hmm. um, the decorations, the things that we do and all these things, those things, um, they help me during that time, you know, Mm. And that's important, isn't it? You Very. need to be able to do things that help you during what is a difficult time because you might be cooking one minute and then suddenly break down. So in, in that very distressing moment, is it just to feel everything that you're feeling and let it out uh, that you're feeling this way and then and continue and carry on with your cooking, for example? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll happen. I'll, I'll sit there and I'll be thinking about, man, I'm, you know, I think it was this past... Christmas, one of the two, Thanksgiving. And I was just thinking about, I was just thinking about them, you know, and, and something happened. I forgot what it was. And, you know, I just had a moment, you know, I just, I had the moment, you know, and I just went back to, you know, what I was doing, but it just, it, it hit me at that, at that time, you know, and it just, just, just hit me at that moment, you know, and it doesn't, you know, it, it, I'm not afraid to embrace that. And I think that that's what's helped as well, because I don't want to suppress the emotions so much where I don't ever let those out. But I, I want to make sure that I give myself an opportunity to grieve at that moment during that time. Mm. Um, and in creating space for that, I think is so important. Absolutely. Absolutely. I completely with you there. I don't think suppressing or avoidance is healthy in the long run. Um, You can only last on that for so long before it all Mm -hmm. comes down on you. And I think it's beautiful the way that you help yourself in these moments and you let yourself grieve in these moments when it gets, you know, very, very heavy and how you have now recreated some new memories, but adding Mm -hmm. in some of the old traditional stuff that you experienced growing up as well. Um, So would you say that you're very open about your mental health with your kids and your, your wife? It sounds like you are. Yes, yes, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Because I never want them to to look at, to think that this is a bad thing. Mm. Because if you start instilling, see, you you talked about this earlier, you said people come from a generation of, you just got to get through it, or, you know, whatever. The difference is like, so there's a dynamic difference to a degree in my dad's side of the family and my mom's side of the family. My dad's side of the family, not really that kind of emotional group of folks. You know, my mom's side of the family, they'll cry when, 
one of them leaves and goes back to the other state that they're from after a weekend. Um, okay. I mean, it's just the truth. I mean, they, they will. I mean, they, they cry to heartbeat. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's a given thing, but at the same time, their expression of their emotions compared to my dad's side of the family is night and day. And okay. I don't want, I don't want it to be a situation where you look at it and think that you shouldn't have emotions or you shouldn't grieve about anything or you shouldn't express you know, that, or think that I'm invincible. No, your dad hurts too, mm. you know? And it's important that you know that dealing with these things, there's a way to deal with them. Mm -hmm. Because one thing for certain, you will have these things happen in your life at some shape, form, or fashion, you know? Of course. Um, so you have to know how to deal with them yeah. and you have to know how to deal with them and deal with them the right way. And so I share, I was like, um, I'm just, you know, thinking about my mom, you know, or thinking about my dad, or thinking about my parents, you know, and, you know, are you, are you okay? I'm, I'm okay. Just thinking about them and, you know, and, and then we'll, we'll talk about things that I, we used to do or fun things that, you know, and that it, it ends up changing the mood to a degree. Cause it's like, man, they used to do A, B, C, and D, or we used to have to do this, or I remember this growing up and, you know, these kinds of little things, but those are things that are, that, that I think, you know, are healthy for even your family to see. Mm, absolutely. It is really important, especially for children, because they mirror the adults around them and, and that mm -hmm. sets in as they grow older. I think you're doing an absolute stellar, stellar, stellar job. And it's so refreshing as well because you are a man. And essentially, I think the data that is out there is that men you know, men, particularly men from marginalized, black or marginalized groups, right? They, we don't mm -hmm. openly talk about our mental health and yeah. trauma and pain there. So I think so beautiful how you go about this and your grief process. Is it, you know, it doesn't sound like it's difficult for you to talk about your emotions as a man, but also a, a black man um, because of the foundation that you've grown up with. Yeah, I, I think it, I think it makes a big difference, you know, um, I have had conversations with people about why men can be that way, you know, because we are raised to, to a degree to be tough, mm. but I think that there's a balance in that, you know, there's a balance in knowing how to deal with your emotions and not let your emotions deal with you. See, you could channel anything to make it into being something to do positive exchange in your life versus a negative and how you handle those things are all a part of your growth. And that's all a part of what you have to show your young boys. This You have to really express that to them. You have to help them understand that because you're, you're, you can be taught not to be, you know, emotionally attached or show emotion. But I think that being the way I was raised and, and those kinds of things, it was a healthy environment for that. And it wasn't ridicule for me to cry or for me to be heard about something. And I think that that part, having that open forum, if you will, for that was very, very beneficial. Now, my dad wouldn't just let me just be a crybaby about everything because I was, that wasn't the case. But at the same time, he helped me understand too, you know, and my mother especially, the balancing between those. You know, and I mean, I play football. You got you can't be a crybaby playing football. You know, I mean, if you will, I mean, that's just not the sport you do that. But at the but at the same time, all of those things I think helped me 
understand how to balance that stuff. And I think more importantly now than ever, because seeing people that have had challenges with their emotions, um, not deal with them well, it can be, see, everything has layers. Mm. If you peel, if you go to an onion in your kitchen and you begin to peel it, there are multiple layers before you get to the core. Absolutely. A lot of the problems that people deal with have a core rooted issue mm. and you never get to them because there's so many layers that you have to peel off to get to the core root of the problem. And a lot of the core root of the problem that people deal with stem from things that they've dealt with in their past. They never, ever addressed. They just tackle layers on top of layers on top of layers and they never uncovered them. And you wonder why there's a problem. Well, because why do you think when you sit down and talk, and I've talked to therapists just as friends to just have conversation and whatever. And why do you think that therapists, when you begin to start talking about problems, they say, so how was your childhood? <laughs> why, why do you think that you're like, why are we talking about my childhood? I'm talking about what happened, you know, in, in this situation. No, because they want to get to the root of where this is coming from. Mm. They always have, there's a, there's a core direction. And I think that those things are what shape how we deal with our emotions. Mm, absolutely. And I'm so happy you brought up the, the layer of the onion analogy. It's one that I've used on the podcast about a million times because I definitely see it that way as well. Yep. You've got to keep peeling that onion until you get to the root of what mm -hmm. it is. And there's a lot of unpacking to do a lot. Absolutely. A lot, a lot. And, yeah. and a lot of us carry that baggage into relationships and other things like that. And we've never healed so we wonder why we have problems in these relationships. Well, because you never healed or you never dealt with the issue you have yourself because you've never unpacked all of that luggage and you never faced it and dealt with it yourself. And the hardest person to deal with is you. It's mm. yourself. You That's know, it. so I, I'm grateful that, you know, I'm able to to do that. And I'm not ashamed of you know my emotions and my pain. I'm not ashamed of that. Uh, you know, I, think, I, I think it's you lovely. Know, really you know, refreshing. I, I yeah, I, I hurt because I, I have I have I have a missing part of my heart, you know, and that's that's that that's my that's my parents. I that's miss love. Them. And that's love. Exactly. Yeah. Grief you know, is love. And exactly. And I think people don't understand that. I think yeah. people don't get it. You know, I don't suggest, you know, if you do need like I said before, you do need to get help. If you're if you're consistently every day, you're wallowing in it, you're dealing with, you know, you, you got to begin to start talking through that because that for me, again, talking about it is healthy. It's healing. Um, I think that everybody heals differently, but I do know that talking about some of these things and just to let these things out can be very healthy for you. Oh, absolutely. Talking is healing. And I love doing that on this podcast. And I've really enjoyed speaking with you today. It's been just so much fun and just great to learn more about you and your upbringing and your parents. I mean, what was your dad's name? My dad was named, I was actually named after him. My dad was Sylvester King Sr. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm a junior. Now, a funny note, my dad never really went by Sylvester because he went by his radio name, which was Weldon Clark, which is a whole nother story. But he went by that. And that's what my mom always called him. I was called Sly, which is what I've always been called most of my entire life. Uh, you know, they're very seldom of anybody calling me Sylvester, which is fine. But that's it's just, you know, that's who I was named after. So I'm a junior. My mother, her name was Lily King. Mm. And um, so, you know, those were two amazing people um, that, um, 
you know, I honestly owe everything that, that I am to, you know, today. So I'm grateful for you and what you're doing and just allow me to be a part of this. It's amazing. I think social media has some great points and values to it. This is another example of one of the reasons why I think social media can be great because you can connect with people from around the world. And this is even healing for me. You know, this is, this is good for me because any opportunity I have like this is good for me. So I'm grateful for you and I wish you nothing but the best on, on what you're doing um, in, in this, in, you know, and in continuing this conversation. Oh, thank you so much, Sylvester, for your kind words. I've really appreciated your presence today. And before we close, uh, I wanted to ask if you did have five minutes with your parents again, I know we spoke about this offline. Mm -hmm. What would you say or do? I mean, I would be first and foremost, I probably would hug until I couldn't hug anymore. Mm. Um, truthfully, just to hug, you know, my mother one more time, to hug my dad one more time. Um, and just to tell them thank you. Just to say thank you. Thank you for what you did to show me to be the person that I am today. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for the sacrifices you made for me. I couldn't say thank you enough. And that would be just a moment of that time just to say thank you. You know, I may have made mistakes. I may not have made you proud even to this day and everything that I've done, but thank you. And just to say that would be, would be worth everything that I possibly have to my name. You know, I think that those are moments and seconds of time that you would just cherish just for that moment. And that would be just a, an opportunity I couldn't, couldn't ever put into words clearly to define that, that feeling um, and, and that moment just to, just to say that. And, you know, I, I, how grateful, you know, I really am. You know, I, I would, I, you know, of course, you understand you can't have them forever. You know, that moment of time that you could just capture for those few moments. But I would tell them that that would be a big part of it. And how much I love them, how much, you know, I miss them, but more importantly, how much I love them and, and what they mean to me. And my goal is to carry out their legacy, you know, and I, I'm just grateful for them, them bringing me into this world. And that would be just some of what I would say. Mm. And we will be reunited with our parents one day. This is what yep. we believe in our faith. Absolutely. And, and I believe you will be reunited with them one day. And I think what you're doing is wonderful, the way that you live your life and process your grief. So thank you so much for sharing your experience. And I've really enjoyed finding out more about your parents and the life that they lived. Well, thank you. I'm super grateful for you. And this has been a highlight of of. Of, of quite some time so I'm, I'm truly grateful for this this opportunity well that was radio presenter sly king he joined me in the room to talk about grief and loss following the death of his parents that was such a beautiful reflection very wholesome way to end the podcast i really enjoyed chatting with him 
and if you enjoyed today's episode please do subscribe please do leave the review uh do dm us um if my dms are open you can find me on twitter and instagram the handle is at bereavement room well until next time take good care of yourself i am your host Paul Seema Ali.